Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, good evening, everybody. As you kind of grab a seat, uh, I just want to say, first of all, it's so good to be with you all tonight. Sunday nights are my favorite part of the week. Uh, Sunday is my favorite day of the week, and it's because we get to hang together. Um, If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you before, my name is Drew Walton. Oh, (laughs) I love you all too. Um, Gosh, there's like a good vibe in the room tonight. Um, But uh, yeah, so my name is Drew. I get to be uh, your associate director of HSM here, uh, which just basically means that I get to spend all my waking time uh, investing in you guys, uh, hanging out or uh, working with the team, planning things for you all, uh, showing up uh, for the good stuff and sometimes some of the hard stuff. And so uh, before we proceed uh, with the night, uh, we just want to pause and acknowledge that this was uh, a week uh, that was different than most weeks, uh, and particularly uh, the events of Tuesday that happened outside of Westlake High School. Uh, That's something that I think a lot of us have been contending with. Uh, kind of uh, caught us off guard. And so maybe you're someone in the room where the events of Tuesday didn't directly affect your life, but you feel like a weightiness uh, and a grief and your heart is with the people uh, who were affected. Or maybe you're someone in the room uh, who it touched your life in some specific way. Um, and that's weighty and that's difficult. And so um, we just want to pause first in a second. We want to just pray over the situation, over everybody uh, who was affected by it, over people who are healing and recovering, over people Um, who witnessed uh, the event that happened, Um, and then particularly for Wesley's family and friends um, and all that. And so I just want to say, like, first and foremost, like, we as a church, like, when we say church, uh, what we don't mean is this building. Uh, We're really blessed to have this amazing building, but the building's not the church, um, at least not the way that Jesus described the church and uh, intended the church. The church is the people who are in the family of God. Like, once you've been adopted into it, uh, you are church. I am church. Uh, and the description from scripture is that we are, in fact, one body and many parts, not just that we're individual rogue agents, um, but that we're part of something bigger, that we're part of a family, um, and that Jesus is the head of it, uh, and that we actually get the opportunity to act as the hands and the feet of Jesus, that we get to go to people and extend the love of God um, in an often broken and hurting world. And so I just want to say, first and foremost, uh, if you're somebody who um, is struggling, whether uh, you were directly affected or even just like the thoughts and the feelings of this week are hitting you harder than expected, um, please let this be a safe haven where you reach out to someone, whether that be myself, any of the leaders, uh, someone you know, someone who invited you. Um, This is a community where we have each other's backs, where we love each other, uh, where we support each other. Sometimes it can be like, I don't want to reach out because I don't know what to say. And like, that's even a fine thing to say, to say like, I don't know what to say, but I just like want some support. Um, We would love to jump into this with you. Um, And then on the other hand, if you're somebody where this hasn't really touched your life and you're just kind of like, what do I do uh, in crisis or in difficulty? Um, We act as the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so what that means is we step in where we can, where it's appropriate, um, and we serve people and we love people and we come alongside them. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, church, if you're somebody who knows 
someone who's hurting, who's struggling, um, be in their corner, be on their team. That's what the church does. That's the way that Jesus designed it. And so that can look like calling someone up to check in. That can look like just sitting with someone. Sometimes we're afraid to enter into those sorts of situations because we don't know what to say. And oftentimes the right move is don't say anything, just be with people. Uh, sometimes that can be really tangible, felt needs like, hey, mom, dad, can we make dinner for this family three nights next week? Um, that's what we do for each other as the church. And so uh, if you would join me in prayer, we're going to pray over that and then we're going to move forward in the evening. Uh, but we're here for you. We love you and we're in it together. Um, so Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this family. Uh, that you've invited us to be a part of. God, we pray that we would church well, um, that we would behave uh, and love in the ways that you designed for this to work. We are people and we do fall short. We don't always do it perfectly, but God, we get up and we keep striving, uh, empowered by your spirit. And so God, would we church well for each other uh, in the midst of this situation? And Lord, I just, I pray for the people who are uh, healing, who are recovering from injuries, God, that you would bring comfort and healing and encouragement to them. God, uh, we pray for the people that just like when they close their eyes, they have images in their head that they wish weren't there. God, I pray that you would give them relief from that, that you would give them sound sleep um, and rest and just a place to talk. Uh, and God, we particularly lift up Wesley, his family, and his friends. God, um, there there are no words. There's no like fix all for a situation like this. But God, we do know that you're the God of all comfort. We do know that you say you draw near to the brokenhearted. And so God, we just continue to ask and invite you into their situation, into their lives. Um, and at the same time, that you would raise up around them men and women who would love them well. Um, and so, Lord, thank you for being the God of all comfort. Thank you for drawing near to us. Thank you for the way you love us so well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so tonight, uh, we're in our series uh, called, on the screen behind me, Revival. Um, and what are we talking about when we talk about revival? Um, here's the reality, is that throughout history, it's a word that's been used uh, a lot to describe uh, movements in the church, but, le but less even just like movements in the church of people being like, I have a passion or a great idea. Um, and it's movements kind of orchestrated and started by God where he puts a fresh wind, a fresh energy, uh, a fresh passion into his people's hearts for him. Uh, and there's growth, growth and there's expansion um, and there is uh, encounter with God. Um, and if you've been around any Christians, if you've been around different churches, not even just this church, it's probably a, hurt, a word you've heard rumblings of uh, recently. Uh, people have been talking about it a lot because uh, I think the sense that a lot of people have is that we're entering into a period of revival, that it's been a long, rough road, um, but this is a season where God says, okay, it's now, and I want my people, and I want their hearts, and I want to go to people who are far from me, who don't know me, who are um, hurting, who are suffering, and I want to embrace them and bring them into my family. That's what revival is, and so we wanted to take a few weeks to uh, sit together as a family and talk through revival. What are some of the things um, that God's word tells us about it? Uh, what are the so some of the things that we do to participate in it? Um, but tonight, you'll see there's a second chair here. We want to do things kind of a little differently because here's the reality, is that revival isn't a movement that just starts in the collective. It's not just kind of like a big thing with a lot of people. It's not like a numbers thing, right? Um, but a pastor once said, uh, here's the thing about numbers, is that every number has a name. Every name has a story. 
and every story matters to God. And so first, let me just say, like, if you're a person in this room and you've ever been made in any context of your life to feel like you're just a number or like you're overlooked or not seen, um, the reality is, is that God knows your name, he knows your story, and it matters to him. Um, and revival starts on the individual, right? Like any person in here who calls themselves a Christian can tell you um, that revival starts one-on-one. It's when Jesus meets you where you're at. I'll, I'll speak for myself. Like anytime I've ever just kind of been like, I'll take the reins from here, God. Like I know what's best for me. I don't want anything to do with what you have to say for me. For me, just personal experience, that road has always taken me into darkness, into disappointment, into despair, all of those things. And every time that I've turned around and said, Jesus, what do I do with these broken pieces? Like, do you, do, do you want me? Um, it's, I'm always met with embrace and he always fosters in my life um, joy abundantly. Like he has better for us. And so um, the definition of revival is to return to life, to return to consciousness, vigor, strength, and flourishing. And the reality is like, that's what God wants to give to each of us. He says in scriptures, I came to give you life and life overflowing. Um, And so what we want to do tonight with our time is to just give you the opportunity to hear from three of the people who are leaders here at HSM about how they encountered Jesus and about what he did in their life. If you've been around church, oftentimes we call that testimonies. Um, And so uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have one person and then the next person and then the next person. So if you would join me in welcoming uh, the first person who's here to share their story, that is Mr. Joey DeAndre. Joey, where are you at? Yes. Uh, if to know Joey is to love Joey. Um, <laughs> Debatable. Uh, I'll win that debate. Um, I aced debate. Uh, but here's the thing about Joey is that he is um, a man who just loves to serve. Um, if you've uh, been around here, you've probably seen him a ton. He's often here in the mornings and the evenings. He serves with our special abilities ministry. He serves all over the place. He's passionate to pour out. He's also just like low-key one of the funniest people uh, you'll ever meet. So pray that you get to see that side of him. It's a hoot. Um, <laughs> And also, uh, I would say there are a few people in my life I've encountered who love God's word as deeply as this man right here. Um, And that love draws him into relationship with God, and it uh, draws him into continuing to study and learn God's word and build a knowledge that he loves to share with you all. So anyways, all that to say, that's my little spiel about Joey. But Joey, here's the first question that I want to ask to you. Um, Would you be so kind, I'm setting timer so that we don't um, talk too long and uh, get rid of other people who are coming up next. Uh, But Joey... Yeah. How would you describe um, your life? Uh, what's, what's the Joey origin story? Really, like, where did you come from? Like, what did growing up look like? Uh, when did you first hear about Jesus? And uh, to use a question that you've uh, posed before, when did you realize that you needed a savior and that it was Jesus? So what's kind of the origin of this man? Yeah. Um, I was born in Camarillo, July 16th, 1998, shortly after 8 p.m. Um, Is that true? Yeah, nice. and I'll put my mom through 23 hours of labor. <sighs> Hi, mom. That's a labor um, of love. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I uh, grew up in a Christian household. Um, grew up going to church every Sunday. Um, and then that's that, yeah. I, I never really was involved with, like, high school ministries or children's ministries as, like, a child. I just kind of went to the main services. Um, When I was four, my parents divorced. Um, And I also have a sister who's a year younger, brother who's a year older. Uh, So I was four um, when they divorced. 
And I think like at the time, even remember having a teacher ask in like seventh grade, like, oh, how's it having divorced parents? And I'm like, I'm in seventh grade. But I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. But like upon, with retrospect, like it didn't help. <laughs> um, it like provided, for when things got hard, it provided a pretty rough foundation. Um, and so as things started to get rough, as happens in life, uh, particularly going into eighth grade and then in high school, um, I didn't have like that stability. And then so when I was not at home, I was like just feeling really alone. Um, from like eighth grade going into high school, I was like, man, I can't wait to make friends. And then high school comes along and I'm like, oh, dang it, I didn't make friends. Um, and like I, that sophomore year of high school, I started going to a therapist. Um, and we basically sophomore junior, senior year, like all we were doing every other week for 45 minutes a day of a session was like trying to figure out how I change so I can like make friends. Um, and so that put a lot of like focus on like, what do I need to do? Um, and so um, by the time senior year rolled around, I was like, oh, I don't have any friends. And like everyone already has their friend group, so that's a dud. Um, and so I was trying to figure out, well, why is it? I think I'm like, I'm pretty sure people like me. And they seem to like being around me. And so like the only, after like thinking about this for like weeks, the only logical explanation was that no one cared about me. Um, and that became like as real of a truth for me as like two plus two is four. Like, oh yeah, no one cares about me. Like that's just how it is. Um, which didn't help because like when a truth is like that true to you, uh, I don't know, there's not a lot of hope in that. Um, and I like my senior year, I would just like walk around the hallways and like I was, I'd be thinking how I'm just surrounded by a sea of individuals who like don't care about me. And I went home and like, I was like, well, they care about me, but they're just obligated to. Um, and so that put me into like a pretty low place coming out of high school. Uh, my first semester in college, I ended up going to a psychiatrist, got diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and PTSD got put on medication for that, that I'm still on today. Um, and so, um, I was, yeah, I was in a pretty low place. I wasn't like at all heavily involved with church. Um, I was going like every other Sunday and I was actually helping doing worship at my former church, but I just was like there. Like I wasn't, there's a difference between like showing up to church and like being at church. And I was just showing up. Um, and so, yeah, around that time I ended up deciding to read a book my mom gave me when I was like 10 and I just never read it, read it. I just never read it. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm 19 and I just happened to keep it for nine years. And I like, with, I can see that now as like a God thing. Like, um, but the book was talking about, long story short, I don't remember what it was talking about, but like the important part for me was like, the author was talking about his wife who uh, went through a lot of, um, similar stuff I went through, um, maybe at least thematically, and then she, like, addressed it through therapy, D that didn't help, medication, that didn't help, uh, whatever else, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's me, and then, long story short, like, the author was like, yeah, we just didn't yet address the thing with God, um, and I was like, okay, so, like, that's it, um, and from that moment on, I basically, like, re at least realized, like, okay, God's the thing, like, I don't know what the heck's going on, um, I just need to, like, keep my eye on God, and it was, like, 
a long, that was in the end of 2018, and it's been like a very long process after that um, of like continuous struggles. Um, and then I was slugging along, just doing with the thing, not doing too great, um, until then 2021. I was finishing up my 10 year at Ragamuffin, um, or my four year, um, and I made the smart decision right when I started managing that store to stop taking my medication. Um, and so like, so like cold turkey. Yeah. Whoa. And like the world just like collapsed. <laughs> um, and so, um, I was just confident that like, I didn't need it. Uh, I needed it. Um, and so by the time like October of 2021 rolls around, I'm like, um, losing it. And like, I couldn't go to work without like suppressing a panic attack and trying not to cry. And that I couldn't have a rush at work without having a panic attack, without having like muscle spasms and twitches on like my forehead. Um, so I was like, I had to head out. Um, but then like, it was late enough in the school year that I didn't sign up for any classes for college. And so I, like, I had no responsibilities at that point, which I was needing to regroup anyways. But basically I was just left with like my own anxi anxiety, uh, my like lack of faith really. Um, and my own thoughts, and that's a terrible combination when like you don't have faith. And so I was basically just like praying out to God, uh, but feeling like I was talking to a brick wall. Um, and so that was a couple months. Long story short, I ended up coming across a video um, from the Bible Project on Luke four, and they talked about how um, in Isaiah six or Luke four, Jesus reads the scroll of Isaiah 61 to start his ministry. Um, and it talks about he's bringing good news to the poor. And the video broke down how the poor, uh, the Hebrew word is actually like much more broad than just people who don't have a lot of money. It's actually like societal outcasts. And I think like, maybe in some ways I'm an outcast. I don't know, I'm pretty weird sometimes. Um, but Your best quality. Yes. Um, but like the main reason that stood out to me was because I thought about like all the people I saw in high school of like, um, like I think of one guy in particular affected by special abilities and like people would like video him and like laugh and put it on Snapchat. And then I, and I was just thinking of like, or the, all the homeless people that we just like walk by and it's like, why is like nobody helping? Um, and then, but like Jesus proclaiming that from Isaiah 61, it, he's saying that like his good news and what his work that he did um, with his life, death, resurrection and ascension is a especially good news for those kind of people. Um, for and, and not only that, but like the people who we perceive to be at the bottom are actually at the top of the kingdom. And it's not that Jesus' kingdom is upside down. It's his, that's the right side of kingdom. We're in the upside down kingdom. Um, and so when I, f I think like possibly the missional aspect of Jesus' heart was I think what made me fall in love with him um, and who is on the top of his kingdom. And from there, I was just hooked, and I like just dove head first. I'm like, I need to learn more about this dude, um, and I you, you got to do that with scripture. So I just dove head first in scripture and haven't uh, emerged out since. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, if I could ask another question, so uh, we talked about this earlier, but like 
there are so many things that are true about Jesus, and one of them is like Jesus is a healer, and for some people he does it instantaneously, and other people it's a journey, and it's a process, all of that. And, um, for you, like, what does it look like for you uh, to partner with Jesus, to take Jesus by the hand as you continue to work through things like you described as like depression, anxiety, PTSD, all of that? Like, what does that look like for you on its feet? Yeah, I think um, something that I forgot where I heard this recently. Um, but just like, sorry, I'm having all these thoughts zoom through my head. Uh, I'll start with Psalm 46. Um, that really stood out to me in like the most chaotic moments of my life. And I actually heard it here at YA um, from Brian Williams. Um, and he, he said, be still and know that I am God. Um, and I, what was really cool is like, I didn't know what like Psalm 46 was all about as a whole. But like, it was only a couple months ago that I came to like, I was studying something else and I came across Psalm 46 and ended up studying that as well as a part of what I was studying. And I came to find out like the exact message of what Psalm 46 is was like exactly what I internalized just when he said, be still and know that I'm God. Um, and so that was really cool. And so I think like that's one thing is be still. Um, but then also like, oh, it was, I was for school and like a discussion post, we were talking about this and how someone who experienced some similar things that I did. Um, they, he, um, he was saying how, you know, he believes in Jesus. And so regardless, one day he will be healed. And so something that's been on my mind recently is like when things have gotten rough for me, um, I can be still and know that he's God. Um, paradise himself is with me. And like, it's not a matter of like, if he'll heal me, uh, it's, it's sorry. Yeah. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and it's the, when is for sure, at least when I'm with him, um, in paradise and that, and, but paradise is now too. It's eternally now. Um, and so that parrot and like that paradise can happen now too. That healing can happen now. I don't know. I'm young. We'll see what happens, but it's not a matter of if, if you accept Jesus, um, follow him in, in all his awesomeness. Um, it's just a matter of when, and it's, it's guaranteed. Amen. Um, and then maybe as like a concluding question, um, what would you say to the person in the room who is hearing your story and it's resonating on, in a personal way, whether that be um, experiencing divorce, whether that be um, depression, anxiety, PTSD, whether that be feeling like an outcast or overlooked, like what would you say to that person uh, tonight? Yeah, I think um, there was times in my life where people might try and like say things to me, but I just, I don't know, I think sometimes we try and like say things to people when they're hurting with good intention to want to bring them up, but at the same time, sometimes there's like nothing to say. And so like, I think like if I was to talk to myself at the lowest or someone who might have resonated with some of my testimony, I'd just be like, it's hard. Like, I, like it's not just like it's hard, it's like it's hard and I know and I'm sorry. Um, and we, we can just acknowledge that and sit with that for a little, um, and grieve. Um, but that doesn't change like our destiny if we, if we have Jesus, um, like regardless, like this is, this can be overcome yet not I, but through Christ in me. Um, and paradise is just a prayer away. Um, Yeah just dwell on that paradise. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Joey. Would you guys give Joey a thank you? Uh, as he says, appreciate it. It's good balance.
Um, next up, I want to invite our friend Grace Fraser to the stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, Grace is a dear friend. A few fun things about Grace if you haven't met her. Grace uh, started out in HSM uh, moons ago as an HSM student and now has made the uh, journey to be an HSM leader. Uh, just one of the most wonderful people uh, that you'll meet. So if you haven't met her, I encourage you to. I described you earlier as kind of the unofficial big sis of HSM. I've heard a lot of people describe you that way as just like an, an easy loving presence who just like ha makes everyone feel like you've got their best um, at heart. And then finally, Grace is a phenomenal dancer. She does it for fun and by profession. Uh, so that's, that's my spiel. But um, Grace, tell us about yourself, your life. What's your origin story? How did you hear about Jesus? And when did you decide that you wanted to um, make him the Lord of your life? Oh, man. All right. So, um, well, first, I want to say thank you for all the kind things you just said about me. That made me feel really good. It's easy because it's um, true. Ah, stop. Okay. Um, so, um, I grew up uh, with parents who decided to raise my sisters and I in a non-Christian home. Uh, they weren't Christians themselves. They wanted us to have the idea of um, freedom of religion. So whatever we decided to pursue faith-wise or religious beliefs or spiritually, um, they told us that they would be supportive and kind of on our side for that, um, which plays a very interesting role in my life a little bit later. Um, but growing up, I did know about God. I was lucky enough to be enrolled in private schools, uh, just educational purpose-wise, not anything having to do with God or uh, getting to know the Lord more. But um, I grew up uh, in a private education system until I was in middle school. Um, so hearing about God, like, I was like, eh, whatever, like, I don't really get the hype. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's honest. Um, we like honesty. Uh, yeah. Um, and some of the Christians or Catholic people that like I had met, um, I just didn't feel that they represented their faith. Well, they were kind of rude and they didn't do what they, like, they didn't practice what they preached. And so I was really turned off to the whole thing of like believing in God. Cause if these people believed in God, but we're going to act in a totally opposite way, I was like, mm, not really for me. So um, I definitely grew up an atheist. I didn't want anything to do with God. Um, I just thought it was some story to make people feel better about themselves. Um, and when I got to high school, I was dancing so much that my parents were like, we need to homeschool you because your grades are suffering, you're not doing well in school, and you obviously want to be pursuing dance more, so why not homeschool you? And I was like, sure, okay. So decided to be homeschooled for high school and um, didn't realize how quickly I would have no friends and um, how hard it would be for me to meet people and make connection and um, start new relationships. But um, by the time I was in sophomore year of high school, um, I really was just like, I was just trying to find friends. And coincidentally, my mom had hired a girl who was a year older than me and who was also homeschooled, and her name was Zuzu. And um, I now can say I just owe so much of my Christian life to her. She's just been such a vessel and such an important part of my faith journey and her family as well. Um, but she and I would do homework together. You know, she didn't really have very many friends either. And um, there was this one day where her and her brother had invited me to go to an Oaks Christian football game. So I was like, oh my gosh, a football game. That sounds like so much fun. Um, and so um, I went to the game with them, had a lot of fun, met some cool people. And then um, we were walking back and they were like, oh, Friday Night Lights is going on. Do you want to go? And I was like, what's that? And so if you've ever been to a Friday Night Lights, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, 
It's just this really big event that um, HSM puts on for high schoolers, just kind of a controlled, really fun environment, and um, you meet really cool people. And um, it wasn't as crazy back then as it is now. Um, last, I mean, when I went, it was like 200 people who would go, and so you were actually able to like talk to people and meet new people and have <laughs> conversation. Um, so I had people asking like, oh, do you go to church out here? And I was like, Pfft. No, like, why would I do that? And they were like, well, you should. Like, it's just like this, but, but with a little bit of Jesus. And I was like, okay, yeah, right. So um, my friend Zuzu had then asked me to go to church with her six times, and I said no. And on the seventh time, she was like, Grace, if you just go this once, I will stop asking you. And I was like, sign me up, count me in. Like, <laughs> please stop asking me. So um, I stood back there and I had my arms folded and I was just so just like, mm, I'm too cool to be here. And like, this is all just like bogus and baloney. So I stood back there and then um, the sermon was on what it means to have a relationship with the Lord and how genuinely Jesus wants to get to know you if you allow him to. And that had never been presented to me in that way. So I was very like intrigued and that curiosity was like sparked within me. And I was like, okay, what is this all about? Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening within me right now, but like, this is really interesting. So a couple of weeks later, uh, winter camp signups came out, and I was like, hey, Zuzu, we should go to winter camp. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, let's go to winter camp. Let's make friends. Me not knowing it was a Jesus camp. Um, so I get up the mountain, and I am um, surrounded by, like, these really great people. And um, my cabin leader at the time, she asked us, she was like, so who is Jesus to you? And every girl, no joke, every single girl in my cabin was like, I love Jesus. He is amazing. Like there was one girl that was like, Jesus is my boyfriend. And I was like, what is happening here? Like, this is like, I am not prepared for this at all. Um, so then they get to me and I was like, uh, Jesus is a guy who like died a couple thousand years ago, I think. Like, I don't, I don't know. And my camp counselor, she was like, okay. And she was like really patient with me and really kind. So that was definitely helpful. Um, but the first night, the sermon was on the probability of creation, and it was talking about like how scientifically there is no other explanation for the creation of the world other than a God of the universe. And my mind was blown, and I was like, okay, I need to learn more, and like I'm ready to kind of dive headfirst into this. And so by the end of the weekend, I had fully accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, um, and it was just the most inexplicable feeling that I, I can't describe to you now, and I couldn't describe to you then. Um, but it was just something that I remember just, um, like that feeling of like joy and like purpose and like, I, I have no words. Um, but I was really excited about my experience and I was surrounded by really great leaders and really great people around me who were super excited for me and, um, were just ready to watch me start my faith journey. And so I got down the mountain and was ready to tell my family who had told me like that they were going to support me no matter what of what religious decision I made um, once that I was old enough. And so I get down the mountain and I'm crying to them just like with so much joy and so much happiness and eagerness in my heart. And they laughed at me and told me I was brainwashed. And that was something that really really stung. Um, and since then, it, it still stings. Um, just because my I learned very quickly that my family is not the kind of family I can share that aspect of my life with. And um, it's even gotten to a point where I don't always tell them where I'm going, even though I'm just going to church. <laughs> like I'm not sneaking around. I'm not going and doing things I shouldn't be. I'm going to church. Um, but it's just been a very interesting relationship with them. And 
um, leading up a, a couple months later, I decided I wanted to be baptized. And so telling them about my baptism, they were like, why would you do that? Like, that's so stupid. Like, you know, all the really kind things that you could say in the moment. Um, and so I told them, like, you don't have to come. And they did, not necessarily out of support, but um, I think out of obligation instead. Um, but... I got baptized, and then a couple months later, my parents decided to get divorced, and I was very blindsided by it. I didn't understand, because I grew up with that rose-colored lens of, like, my parents are the perfect people, and, like, they're in the perfect relationship, and they love each other so much, and I was so, um, I was under an illusion, and I didn't realize who my parents were as people at the time, and growing up, it's just been a process of learning who they are as individuals, and not just as parents, um, and also, like, how to... Um, serve them well and how to be the only Christian in my family who's trying to teach them about Jesus and who's trying to um, bring them closer to the Lord, not necessarily me saving them because I know I have zero power to do that, but um, me just trying to open their hearts and their minds to a good God who's even better than they can imagine. So, Amen. Um, if I could ask another question, um, so it seems fair to say like family has been a theme in your story, um, your family of origin and you found family. Um, what's God taught you about family? Like what does family mean to you? Um, those are all the words that I have. <laughs> um, well, I think that my family of origin, I mean, they're all people. And even with my found family, they're all people as well. And I know that, um, you kind of get stuck with family that you don't necessarily always like or that you don't always um, feel supported by. And that's been something I've really had to wrestle with, um, especially in the past couple of months. I stopped having a relationship with my dad. Um, he was just, my both of my parents, just a little story, are both narcissistic. Um, or narcissists, I think that's the better term. But um, so learning a relationship with them. And I learned so much from them as like for like from my mom, the kind of mom that I want to be, the kind of wife that I want to be um, when I'm older, and um, from my dad, like the kind of husband that I want and the kind of father that I want for my kids. Um, and j I've just learned so many lessons from them. And so when people ask me like, dang, like your family life kind of sucks. Like, would you rather have it another way? And like in a perfect world, sure. I would love to have parents who, you know, were so married and loved Jesus and wanted to pour Jesus out into me. Um, but ultimately I think that my family life and the people that I got, got stuck with um, wasn't by accident. And I think that because of these people that I have in my life, it's shaped the kind of woman that I'm going to be and the kind of person that I am. Um, and I think it's only going to help me um, as I grow older and as I continue to learn lessons because I'm still being molded and I'm still being shaped. Um, but my found family is one that like I have cried over and I just genuinely just love and um, getting to kind of um, allow people into my life who actually know my heart for the Lord and uh, want to speak Jesus into me and um, just know me better overall. It's something that I can't thank God enough for. So. Amen. Uh, and as a final question, like, what would you say to the people in the room who um, maybe they didn't grow up in a faith tradition or they've never really like examined for themselves? Maybe there's a curiosity or, a, you know, a lot of people have told me about Jesus. I've never investigated for myself. Or maybe it's even like, <laughs> I'm here because a friend like tricked me into this. Uh, like, this is a church. What's happening? Uh, but just like, what would you say to a person who, similar to you, hasn't grown up in a Christian context um, and maybe there's a, a first curiosity? What would you say to them? 
Um, I think that questions have been something that like I was always really afraid to ask because I didn't want people to think I was dumb or stupid. Um, I would encourage you, if you have questions, even if you are a Christian and you're kind of having doubts, ask those questions. I think that um, you taking the time to really think about why you believe or maybe like why don't I believe or just like things like that. I think that those questions actually um, are really important and can be really integral to your walk in faith with Jesus um, or even like like rededicating your life to the Lord or if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I think even just getting you started. um, I mean, there are leaders around here who are just some of the best people I think I've ever met and um, I think that any one of them would just be honored to just have a conversation with you and answer any questions that you might have or a topic that you want to discuss, like let's tackle it together. Like none of this you have to do by yourself. Um, I think it's important to rely on the people around you who maybe know a little bit more than you do or um, just have somebody to walk side by side with. Um, And also, um, I've just found that like God can do so much better than I could. Um, So anything that I thought was like really great or like really good and like me thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm not at my highest self and I can be my own God. That's what I thought when I was younger and wasn't a Christian is like I idolized myself and I put myself on a pedestal and I kept failing myself because obviously I'm human and I'm going to fail myself time and time and time again. Um, But the God of the universe literally wants to take that burden that was too heavy for me to carry. And he says, girl, I got this. Like, let me, let me do the work and then you follow in my footsteps. And so learning that has been just one of the biggest encouragements of my life is like, I've got a God who is way better than I am. And I'm so thankful that I'm not as good as he is. So, um, ask your questions, lean on people. Um, open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. Um, we have, we got free Bibles for you if you want. Um, yeah. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Grace. If you guys would thank Grace. Um, uh, and so our final person who's going to come up and share is a new guy, hasn't been around uh, HSM for very long. His name is J.D. Lasky. He's kind of shy. <laughs> um, that was a joke. If you don't know J.D., J.D.'s like the most legendary legend here at HSM. To know him is to love him. Kind of, though. Appreciate that. Um, Thank you for the warm introduction. <laughs> JD is um, just kind of like a renaissance man for all people. Like he, I, I, literally, I haven't gone a place where I haven't encountered someone who knows him. I remember literally one time we were walking um, down the street in Budapest, and we walked by some people. I saw them double take, and they were like, "JD," I was like, "Here, really?" <laughs> Um, that's a true story. Um, but JD is a man who's just made his life about pouring into other people's lives. He's the funniest person you'll ever meet, uh, but also one of the kindest and deepest. Um, anyways, that's enough gushing. Um, but you, JD, um, would you be so kind as to tell us about yourself? What's the JD Lasky origin story? How did you hear about Jesus? Uh, when did you really encounter him? How's he changed your life? What's your bank account number, your pins, all of that? Um, someone will take notes for me. Okay, no, got it, got <laughs> but got what's it. your life yeah. story? Yeah, thanks for asking. Thanks for the introduction too, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I was born in a non-Christian home uh, and I was born to parents who uh, I think did their best to care for me. I was born in Chicago. We moved to California. I was very, very young. Um, and at the ripe old age of nine, my parents divorced. And I, don't, I just don't think I understood what all that meant. But in the same season of life, God really was seeking after me, sought after me and, and saved me from, I think, the abysmal 
time that is divorced as an only child too. And so to be in a place, I was at Calvary and um, our Sunday school teacher, Muriel Lada, um, asked, you know, who wants to go to heaven? And I raised my hand, it was very simple, um, but very profound. And in that moment, uh, I don't think I knew what I was engaging with or what I was signing up for, especially in third grade. But um, beyond that, into middle school, uh, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip. Uh, in, uh, to Mexico, and, and that changed my life, and my, I think my perspective of the world changed dramatically in that, uh, to the point now where being a part of high school missions and young adult missions and uh, just serving in that way, I think, has shaped so much of my life, both uh, as a student and now as an adult leader, too, and I think that's a, a lot of what um, I think I've been so grateful for, and kind of like Grace said, too, I think wanting to change our lives and to change it in something different, we might say, oh, yeah, I would change it in a perfect world, but I don't think I would have the empathy I have now, the understanding I'd have now, or the patience or just compassion for people um, if I hadn't gone through that, because I think it'd be more about myself. And I don't say that self-righteously, but I definitely uh, I think I can understand more where people are at. And I think when students, specifically in high school ministry or young adults, share something going on in their life, um, it's not that I haven't heard everything, because I've heard a lot of things in my life talking to students over 25 years, but um, it's just being able to listen and understand and be able to pray with and encourage, because it's really through the power of the Holy Spirit it's not me. It's, it's God using each of us in, in the place he has us and to be the hands and feet wherever we're at, whether it's here in, in Southern California or in Uganda or Ukraine or wherever the Lord leads us. Um, so, yeah, I'm grateful for that. That's amazing. Um, uh, I guess to articulate my next question, I would say what we all know is like you become a Christian and that doesn't mean like your life is perfect and never struggle again, right? Um, we know that life is still life, but we have Jesus um, to lead us through. And at the same time, like he does bless us and bring so much into our experiences and change us. And so I would ask like, what has Jesus brought into your life? Like, well, just like, how has he blessed you? Um, how have you seen your life just um, change and grow as you've known him and walked with him? How much time do you have? I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> seven minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's hard to begin, but I would say simply um, in that time growing up, th again, through those trials and not parallel, but in the midst of that, I think the Lord's shown me um, a lot about who he is through the people he's put in my life. And that's, that's profound. It really is. And I think a lot of times we tend to ignore advice. We tend to ignore wisdom because we know better than anyone else. We know better than our parents. We know better than our coaches. We know better than our teachers because we know everything because we've lived, you know, a short amount of time, but somehow we think we know everything. And so... I think in my stubbornness too, it took hard lessons to learn those things, but the, I think the people that God put in my life specifically um, throughout middle school, throughout high school, and even college uh, really challenged me to um, a place of wanting to, to, to do better and to, to accomplish things that God had for me and even saw giftings in me that I didn't see or that I was aware of. And so I think in that, um, the Lord's been so faithful in, in teaching me things that, um, you know, again, compassion and empathy, but also just being willing to take time. I shared that a little bit this morning, you know, for any high school student here who's either here present or watching online it's like spending time with people that you know but also people you don't know it's easy to become really safe with the people you know and become very familiar with the people that we know or maybe our small group or uh, at a camp or at church um, etc but it's the people we don't know we can tend to kind of ignore and those are the people that Jesus wants to encounter and I think being in a place where it's you're saying like I've never met that person I see them every day and I've seen them every day for three years at, at in the quad at this time introduce yourself and just be willing to share your story or be willing to listen to their story. Um, we want to be accepted and God accepts us wholeheartedly and loves us deeply. And I think in the same way, and you've heard this quote, I've shared it before, but God loves us more in a moment than anyone else will in a lifetime. And God gives us the same power to love people well. 
The moment you remember someone's name, the moment you say, can I just pray with you? The moment you allow someone to experience the freedom, but also the love of, the love of God. And so I'd really encourage you guys, because it's the first person, many of you are probably invited here for the first time at some point. Many of you, many of you were invited to church at some point. The simple ask, the power of the invitation to say, just come check it out. You know, don't, and don't worry about what the sermon is. I think we do it a lot of times too. Like, what's the topic going to be next week? I don't want to invite my friend if it's a topic of, you know, fill in the blank. Um, just invite them and trust that God's going to use uh, that time. So That's so good. Um, if I could ask, uh, so, and anyone who knows J.D. probably will relate to this. Um, when I think J.D. Lasky, I think love. Uh, like, I've just seen you, like, pour out and love people so well. And I guess my question would be, like, what... What is it in you uh, that loves people uh, so much? And then um, how do you love people so much? Like I've seen you do it with your mom. I've seen you do it with people here at Calvary. I've seen you do it with people on your travels. Like just tell us about um, love. Sure. Uh, I think I've experienced love um, through travel. It's a big part of my story. Any of you know me too. It's just travel is a huge part of my life. I've been to nearly 60 countries. And I Goals. think see, seeing, seeing culturally people interact with one another, how people care for one another or don't, uh, is so evident and has nothing to do with what people have. Again, it has nothing to do with the things people have, the trappings of their life, the stuff that surrounds them. It's, it's their true interaction and their compassion for other people and humanity that I think has taught me the most and observing that in other parts of the world. That, that's common ground. That's a common denominator. Um, and that's God's love. And I think in seeing that... Um, even not knowing the language, and you've been, and like knowing, going to Ukraine or going to Russia or going to Brazil, these different countries. I don't speak Portuguese, I don't speak Romanian, I don't speak Russian, a little bit, chuchu paruski, but it's not the point. But the idea being that truly is that in those, in those interactions, and we call, we call it an exchange of grace, and in the grace that God's shown us, we're able to show that to other people. And so oftentimes we do it on mission trips so well because we don't know those people. Uh, we don't know them yet. We get to know them as the course of, of a trip goes on, whether, again, to Uganda or Mexico or, or Dominican Republic. Um, but we're so willing to love people freely we don't know. And that's what, how God calls us to live all the time. Then we come, we come back home, it's like, I don't know if I can love these people. They bother me. They're this or that. So I think it's being able to simply let go um, of whatever um, presuppositions you might have about people in your life and go, God loves them. I need to love them. And I think in the same way, if you can love somebody unconditionally on a mission trip without knowing the language, you can love people at your school. You can love your family. That's hard. And believe me, I understand. Again, with my, not just my parents' divorce, but the toxicity sometimes in my parents' relationship kind of led me to a place of, you, you have to make a choice to love people. And I like, love the phrase, too, you know, choose joy. And that might just sound like a cliche phrase for not just for Christians, but in general, choose joy. Um, but the world's full of sorrow. The world's full of heartache. And yet God says, I've come to give you life and give you life abundantly. Live that life well. You have, you have a testimony that God has written in your heart to love people in your life well, other, other students, uh, your parents, your family. So if you say, well, I can't love my family. Yes, you can. Just listen to Grace's story. I can't love my friends. You know, listen to Joey's story and people who are not in his life, but he's learned to love. I think it's so important. Every one of you has a story. And you don't have to wait till a certain age to tell your story. You have a story now. And a lot of times I hear students say, well, my story's boring. It's not as exciting because I didn't, you know, I haven't done all these crazy things. This person shared their testimony. It was so wild. It's like, but your story matters to someone, and that's why we share our story. Because someone else will go, I thought I was the only one who struggled with that. I thought I was the only one who went through divorce, who went through cancer, who went through death, who went through all these things in my life. 
and we feel like we're so alone. The enemy wants to make you feel so alone and so isolated. And God's like, I want to give you freedom, and not just freedom to love me, but love my people. That's all of our calling, not just me, not just Drew, not just people who've gone to seminary or whatever. Um, yeah, it's important. So good. Um, maybe as kind of a closing question, I'll invite the band back up as I ask this. This is kind of a random uh, curveball question, but I think about you as someone like you're our HSM chaplain. Like you are just with people through so many events of their life. You know, like you show up to school plays and sports and weddings and visit hospitals and funerals and all of that. And I think like um, we're all distinct, but also at the same time, like we're not all so different. Like we're all humanity, like what are some of the things that you uh, find yourself hearing from people the most, praying about with people the most, like just kind of what have you learned uh, about what connects us uh, through being a chaplain? Great question. Um, I think some of the common things that we all experience and that I've heard students share over many, many years is just, you know, college and then after college life and then you know as I begin my life what's the next thing the next thing the next thing and Joyce said too I love how you brought Psalm 46 be still know that I'm God it's some I think simply um, being present uh, with the Lord being present with one another but a lot of the questions people ask I think are kind of like how to how to uh, navigate really hard things and that's so much of life and I think oftentimes people say well I've never really had a hard situation in my life I've never really gone through anything and I think the opposite is true for so many students it's been a really really tough season you know I think one of the things that has broken my heart over the years is when I hear a parent for example they'll say things like to their, their student their high school student they'll say you know wait till you're older and, and life gets hard guys in 26 years of high school ministry I've talked to students who have been cutting uh, students who've gone through divorce, students who've ran away from home, students uh, who didn't make it, you know, students who've been married and students that we've actually buried. And I think in that, the question students always ask is, is there hope in all of us? And if, yes, the answer is resoundingly yes, it's Jesus. Uh, and he's with us through all those storms. And sometimes it's hard to see because we're in a bit of a fog and maybe the emotion and the challenge and the hurt and the heartache. And we feel that. And I think part of, again, our story and having community is so crucial. I love the expression our, our former high school pastor, Drew Sam, used to say, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian or lone wolf Christian. Uh, that person's like, I got this. I can totally do it by myself. It's like, you can try, but it's like God gives us these people in our lives to encourage us, to walk with us, to, to mourn with those who mourn as we did this past week and have before and will again. And so I think in that, as people have asked, how do I do this? It's like you do it with the Lord and you do it one step at a time. And if you need to walk slow, it's okay. The Lord will walk with you. If you want to run, the Lord will run with you. Whatever pace you're at, the Lord's going to be with you forever and for always to the end of the ages as he promises in Matthew 28. So as you think about those questions in your life, like maybe you guys have questions right now, like how do I do this? How do I get through the season? Will God still be there when my parents aren't together? Will God still be there when my grandma's not here? Will God still be here when we have to move or I start college? Yes. He's with you always. So I just encourage you guys with that. Ask those questions like Grace said to have conversations. You know, don't, don't be shy to ask those things. And again, in all this, you're, you're never alone. You're never alone. We love you guys. JD, would you honor us by praying for us to close out this yeah. time and then we'll worship. Yeah. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here together, Lord, in, in freedom. 
God, we thank you for life and breath and the opportunity to be uh, together as your children in one place uh, right now, Lord, uh, in, in the space you've provided. And Lord, I thank you for the questions that are out there right now, Lord. And as you uh, continue to hold each of us close to you, Lord, in whatever season we're in, uh, that we be reminded of your faithfulness. We look back and see you've been so faithful, God. You continue to write stories in our lives that only you can do, orchestrate things that only you can do. God, in all the heartache and all the brokenness, God, there's peace, there's resolution, there's hope through your son, Jesus. And so we pray that even now, if there's students here who are wondering, who are like, I'm not sure about this whole Christianity thing, God, continue, Lord, just to remind us and to, to present yourselves to those who don't know you yet and to uh, encourage those of us who do know you and who are walking with you, God, uh, that you're faithful and to be bold in that, to be courageous in that and to be humble in that. Um, Lord, we pray for the names of the people yet to walk through the doors of this high school room, through this church. Um, Lord, and churches around our community as well, or we continue to pray for revival. God, we've been praying for years for revival, and it's happening. God, through your Holy Spirit, through the people who say yes to you, but not just say yes and no, but yes and act upon that, God. Those who seek repentance, those who come before you and say, I, I'm, I'm struggling, God. In all humility, Lord, we ask you for grace and for truth and for the ability to guide us and, and those we love. Lord, and I pray we, we learn to love others well, especially those we don't know, God. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.